You're listening to 104.3 and 104.7 KHUM. Cutting, Eureka, Arcata, and Foster Homes Everywhere and streaming on the web at khum.com. You're listening to Not For Kids Only. It is a segment that we do every single Thursday at noon where look at organizations within our community that strive that strive to help children. And during the first year, since it is Costa's 25th anniversary, focusing on the foster care system. Right now I'm sitting with Cindy Sutcliffe, who is the secretary on the board for Child Abuse Prevention Coordinating Council of Humboldt County. How long have you been with CAPCC? I joined CAPCC in 1994. I had become the director of Campfire Boys and Girls, and they had a seat on the board, and it was for the director. So when I came on board with Campfire, I joined CAPC. I had not heard of the Child Abuse Prevention Coordinating Council prior to becoming a member. So it wasn't as if I was looking for something and this fit a niche. It was more like part of my job. That's a nice something to fall into for sure. Oh, definitely, definitely. And over the years, I've held many different positions on the board. Of course, I've been a regular just plain board member, but I've also been the vice chair. I've been the chair for two different terms, and I've been the secretary, and this will be my second term as being a secretary. Okay, what is uh, your role as secretary on the board? Basically, it's clearly secretarial. I take the minutes from the board meetings, and then those are distributed to the general membership. I update our roster, our board roster, and then I also am responsible for maintaining our CAPSI documents like the bylaws, the minutes themselves, the agendas, the rosters electronically. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. It's probably pretty handy for all the other members as well. Yeah. How does CAPCC actively bring together agencies and individuals that are in fields working to prevent, intervene, and treat child abuse and neglect? So the CAPC agenda actually has a standing agenda item that is outreach. And currently the board is composed of employees from the Department of Health and Human Services Public Health Branch and the Children and Family Services Branch, the McKinleyville Family Resource Center, Probation, Changing Tides Family Services, North Coast Rape Crisis Team. We have general community members, Humboldt County Office of Education, Bikers Against Child Abuse, and Planned Parenthood of Northern California. So we have a large, diverse group that currently sits on the board. But the Welfare and Institution Codes, which was how we were created, also recommends having members from law enforcement, from the courts, licensing agencies, licensing for foster families, homes, the coroner's office, and religious organizations. And we've done outreach over the years to all of these groups, including the district attorney's office. And since Maggie Fleming has become district attorney, she now either sends a designee or she herself comes to the monthly meeting. So that's been really nice. But with the other organizations, the other groups, it always seems that when we do our ask, either our meeting time and date is a conflict or their staffing situation is so abysmal, they simply can't release anybody to come and be a part of the meeting. So we have constantly been struggling, as long as I've been on the board, and it's been many years, to sort of fill our, uh, our, our quota with regards to the different varieties of individuals and um, agencies that work within the field of child abuse. Now that must be challenging if all of them can't make it to the meetings, but I assume that you keep in constant contact with them. We do the ask on a regular basis, 
And either they say yes, and they maybe can come for a couple of meetings, and that's really great. And then we've got that contact. Or they say, you know, call us back in six months when we'll, you know, be fully staffed. Or So we just keep at it. Well, there's this law, AB in 1980, for those of you who don't know, it became law in 1985 that provides statutory authority for a child abuse council in each county. And CAPCC is the authority in this county that fits that role. Can you describe some of that? Sure. So the Humboldt Child Abuse Council was actually established in 1978. And this brought together individuals, professionals who were working within the field of child abuse, some community service agencies, some government agencies. And they basically took on the role that would then become legislated in 1985 through AB 1980. The purpose mirrored what the statute established, and so in 1986, that organization then reincorporated as the Humboldt County Child Abuse Prevention Coordinating Council. And basically, we're, you know, we're striving to assure coordinated services and policies for prevention, intervention, and the treatment of child abuse among agencies and organizations. So we act more in a coordinating capacity, and we try to do that through our monthly meetings. We have as I said, the membership that I talked about earlier. Um, But we also have our members talk about programs and or other organizations that might be coming into um, fruition within the county or new programs that are starting so that people are aware. They they know what's, what's out there. Because a lot of times these are direct service providers that are sitting on the board. We're also actively promoting and supporting high-quality programs that successfully reduce child abuse and neglect. And the principal way that we do that is through two grant funding opportunities that we have. One is the Children's Trust Fund, and the other one is the Child Abuse Prevention and Intervention Treatment Funds. These monies don't actually come to the CAPC, but rather they come from the state down to the county. And we at CAPC do the request for proposals for these particular funds, and we solicit these proposals from organizations and programs that are really working within the field of prevention. We review the proposals, we make a selection, and then we make a recommendation to the Department of Health and Human Services, and they're the ones that actually create the contract and then as the conduit for the funding. It's a three-year grant cycle, and right now we're in year two, going into year three of our three-year cycle. The current recipient is the McKinleyville Family Resource Center, their home visitor program, which does an incredible job. They're based in McKinleyville. They go all over the county. But they do a really great job of working directly with families, specifically those families that have had allegations of abuse filed against them but don't rise to the level of the legal authority for child welfare to be able to intervene. It's called differential response, and those referrals are made to the Family Resource Center, and then this home visitor goes out. It's all voluntary, so, I mean, the family can simply say, no, thank you. But oftentimes they don't because it's it's a warm call, and they come with a boatload of services that they can offer the family for free. And so they're able to start working with the family to be able to change behaviors so that the family's then able to parent effectively and appropriately and not rise to the level where child welfare would be getting involved. The other thing that we do around promoting and supporting high-quality programs is we have an annual conference, and we just did our sixth one last month, and we really look for those programs within the county that are most effective, and we ask them to come and do a presentation. The conference is free. It's primarily service providers who attend the conference, but 
we advertise so that foster families could come if they want to. Anybody from the community actually can come. It's open to anybody. And our limitation is usually our size of, of the facility and funding because it is free, but we do cover the lunch for all the attendees. So this this past month was 120. The year before, we were at 180. And we were able to do that because that year we had received a grant from St. Joseph Healthcare Foundation, which allowed us to use some of the funds to be able to fund the conference itself. We actually doubled it from the previous year. Usually it's about 90 people. So last year we went up to 180. This year we no longer had that funding, so we scaled it back to 120. But we believe that we can probably do probably around 150 consistently for the next couple of years and still provide it at no cost. And then the last thing that we do is we increase public awareness and resources that help prevent child abuse and decrease family stress. And again, we use the annual conference, but we also do this campaign over the holiday season called Stress in the Holidays. And we start it around the end of November and it runs till about the beginning of January. And we uh, partner with radio stations, local radio stations, a lot of local radio stations within the county, as well as the company that owns the majority of the movie theaters here in Humboldt County. And so we run a radio ad campaign, and then we also have a movie advertisement um, that gets shown to gobs and gobs of people, lots of people hear the campaign on the radio. And all we talk about are low-cost, no-cost things that families can do around the holidays in order to be able to alleviate the stress that the holiday season normally brings on. So you don't have to worry about not having enough money or, you know, buying something. It's rather the kinds of things that you can do with your families. They're fun, they're memorable, and they don't cost anything. Mm-hmm. And I'll have a gift that will last a lot longer than many others. Exactly, exactly, yes. as opposed to just a toy or something that somebody opens up. And then the last thing that we do around the public awareness is we're able to table at community events. And again, that really came to fruition the year that we got the grant from the St. Joseph Healthcare Foundation because it provided us funding to be able to purchase items that are educational, and I'll describe one of them in just a minute, and distribute them to community events. Up until that time, all we had was our brochure, which is really nice, and and it's a nice brochure, and it had our website on it. We have links and resources on the website, but we didn't have anything that we could actually physically hand out to community members. And so what we did that year that we got the grant is we contracted with Kid Power Inc., and we purchased the right to produce 200 copies of a coloring book that they have put together. And it's geared towards seven, eight, nine-year-olds. But it talks about child abuse, both physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, and neglect in ways that kids can understand it. It's not frightening. And it also provides them with strength-based messages on how they can deal with that if it's happening to them or in their families. So it's really a powerful tool. And like I said, it's not scary. It's not frightening. The message is just really, really positive and very empowering to the child. So we've been distributing those all over the place. And we got them in English and in Spanish. So for the last two years, we've been able to go to Festa Hondo, which we never went to before because we didn't have anything in Spanish to hand out to anybody and we've been able to distribute the coloring books and it's been really great nice if somebody wanted to get or see one of those coloring books like right away was they could actually go to kid power inc just google it it's just kid power inc and they can download one copy of the coloring book for free so they're there and they're in multiple languages not just english and spanish they have several other languages i just don't remember what they are 
Nice. Yeah. Well, you already answered my next question. What do you do to increase community education awareness about child abuse? Well, yes, I did. But I also wanted to tell you about the thing that over the last five years has really done a lot to raise awareness in Humboldt County around the issue of child abuse. And that was the creation of our website and our Facebook page. We previously didn't have that. And so once we got the website up and running, it really helped us. It provides links to other organizations that work on child abuse in Humboldt County, our electronic newsletter gets posted on this web page so people can just go in and take a look at them and they're all there so they're you know it's a historical listing and there's definitions of what child abuse actually is there's information on what you should be doing if you think that someone you know is a victim of child abuse and then there's also our direct contact information so anybody in the anywhere can get in touch with us and interestingly enough they do when i was chairman last year and the year before and the year before that I would often, probably three or four times a year, I would get an email, just sort of an anonymous email from somebody saying, this is my situation, what do I do? And the way that they had contacted me was going to our webpage and seeing, you know, see my email address and clicking on it. And then I was able to, you know, refer them to the appropriate agency. So it worked. It's like, yay. <laughs> and the website, by the way, for those of you who do not know, it's capcchumble.org. Exactly. Well, this is Child Abuse Awareness Month. What are you doing special for that? So this month, we're going to be accepting a proclamation from the Board of Supervisors designating April as Child Abuse Prevention Awareness Month. And at that time, we'll also give our annual report to the Board of Supervisors. Because of the legislation that was established in 1985, we are responsible to the board to let them know what we've been doing across the year with regards to child abuse prevention. And then on April 21st, we'll have our annual honoree luncheon, where CAPC on honors three individuals or organizations for the work that they've been doing in child abuse prevention. This year, we're going to be honoring Mary Beth Bain, Carmela Winger, and Karen Athing. And then on April 29th, we have our annual flag raising ceremony where we remember the children who have lost their lives due to child abuse. That will be at 9 a.m. at the Teen Center in Eureka, and the public is welcome to that. That's probably a very heart-wrenching ceremony. It is. It is. Well, thank you very much. You uh, also wanted to quickly talk about researching prevention? Yes. So over the last, I want to say, four or five months, we've designated a certain amount of our time every month at our board meeting to sort of start drilling down into what collectively the board views as those things that are barriers to having effective prevention programs in place. And we've kind of moved away from the obvious, which is, well, obviously parent education is the way to go. And if parents have the education, then there'll be appropriate parents. But, you know, that doesn't always work with people. In our particular county, the majority of child abuse cases, and just for the record, I worked for Child Welfare Services for seven years before I retired, are general neglect cases. And those are driven by substance abuse issues. And so if you have a parent who's in their substance abuse using time frame, they're not at a place where they can say, oh yeah, sure, I'll go ahead and go to this great parenting class and change everything about my life. So this goes on for, you know, a generation or two, and the child, which is, you know, where we learn our parenting from, loses that whatever positive parenting might have been in that family. So what we're doing is we're kind of like doing a shift in focus and saying, what can we do with the child to be able to help strengthen their ability to know what a healthy relationship is, to know how to be safe in their lifestyle choices, to know how to 
ultimately be a responsible parent. And kind of fortunate because at Humboldt County Office of Education, they've adopted a program called Second Steps. And it's really to help kids to be better learners, but at the same time, they learn to be better people, to put it bluntly. They learn how to listen. They learn how to pay attention. They learn how to control their own behavior. So they become aware of what their emotions are, and then they learn how to be able to sort of self-regulate those emotions, and then how to get along with others. So it's sort of the building blocks on what would then ultimately become a safe, healthy, responsible lifestyle. The three tenets of the program are be responsible, be safe, be respectful. And they start this in the elementary schools with kindergarten and at some of the preschools, the Head Start preschools are doing this program also. So we're looking at that as possibly, maybe this is the shift in focus and maybe we need to be looking more at these types of programs and then what can we as a coordinating council do to make sure that everybody has access to them and that the programs are in place and being reinforced consistently so that it becomes ingrained within the child themselves. So maybe by the time they're in sixth grade, they've really got it down, even though they might not be experiencing that same type of living style in their own home environment. And just one more time, the website, if you want more information about Child Abuse Prevention Coordinating Council of Humboldt County, it's just capcchumboldt.org. Thank you, Cindy. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Not For Kids Only. It's a program that happens every single uh, Thursday at noon where we look at organizations within the community that aim to help children. I want to thank both Cindy Sutcliffe and also uh, Steve Volo, who is the executive director of Humboldt Casa, for being involved in this segment. Going to take a short break and then get back into the tunes with some Frank Sinatra up next on KM.